Hello, welcome to Manic in Miami. This is Holly Hurricane, and I have a short solo episode to just bring up some topics that some of you may be aware of that were very popular a number of years ago. And if you're not, it's just an introduction to something that everyone should consider. I'm not off my medication. I am not anti-psychiatry. And I believe in medication for, you know, the less serious conditions like anxiety and persistent depression that people develop because, you know, they're just trying to get through this evil bitch of a life. And I spoke with a psychiatrist recently who is going to start trials for the use of psilocybin to treat general depression and LSD to treat general anxiety disorder. And this is all very exciting. SSRIs, SNRIs can cause long-term damage and can cause short-term bad side effects. People are afraid to voice reasonable critiques of psychiatric practices, which is quite frankly kind of a bit crazy to me. I think people fear the backlash. They don't want to be called, they don't want to be labeled an anti-science conspiracy theorist, a, a quack. We don't want to be tossed into the bin, so to speak. No pun intended. Um, the bin of quacks, you know. You're asking valid and informed questions about your own mental health care that you're receiving, right? Um, and there's no denying that big pharmaceutical companies are massive for-profit companies, right? And they're a necessary evil. And, you know, in addition to that, maybe we're over-medicating people. Maybe people don't need five or six <laughs> prescriptions. That benefits the people who are making ridiculous ridiculous number of billions off of this whole industry. And there are many great psychiatrists who point this out. And I have something that a psychiatrist wrote to me years ago, which I kept. He said this to me regarding benzos. He said he just avoids the trouble and simply zero exceptions does not prescribe benzos. And patients who use them are far too much of a headache and it, they waste his time. They have arguments, pleas, threats, and it's become repulsive because it quickly snowballs into a dependency. He said that most doctors are aware that they were never designed for chronic use. Glorified drug dealer if he would succumb to that. Drug reps were never allowed to step foot in his offices, and he referred to them as prostitutes in fancier clothes, no more, no less, walking billboards. And that's a bit harsh, I think. Now I have a little bit of clonopin. It's been almost cut off which I'm very happy about after reading this amazing book, The Anatomy of an Epidemic by Robert Whitaker. It was recommended to me by a psychiatrist. I want to bring up a little quote from the book that is highlighted by Nasser Gaimi. This is at a 2008 APA conference, Tufts Medical Center. I guess he's from Tufts Medical Center. He said, I would like to point out that in the history of medicine, there are examples of situations where the vast majority of physicians did something that turned out to be wrong. The best example is bloodletting, which has the most common, which was the most common medical practice from the first century AD until the 19th century. And at this point, to deny that for-profit pharmaceutical companies influence the psychotropic drugs we take to deny it outright is kind of like denying that cats are adorable. The claims that drugs balanced chemicals in the brains or whatever, um, those were false. 
side effects and long-term damage were sort of concealed and hidden from the masses. Even today, I, I don't think it's very common to say, hey, take this. You're going to be really overweight in a few months. <laughs> like, I don't think that happens very frequently. And you know what? No one said, hey, take this antipsychotic. You may wake up screaming and crying hysterically in the middle of the night for two weeks while your brain adjusts to this. I think it's a real problem that a lot of antipsychotics cause things like weight gain, brain fog, and this book kind of illuminated some even deeper, darker things related to antipsychotics. So in 2000, there was a psychiatrist. He found that two of 20 volunteers who took an SSRI became suicidal. The British Association of Psychiatry or something like that psychology threatened him threatened his career and said it was would basically be over if he shared those results regular exercise produced better results as far as combating depression than the antidepressants why are these antidepressants still freaking everywhere i after reading the after reading about ssris in this book i'm so happy to say that i was on ssris just before I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in college, I was like 19 or 20, and I didn't like them, They and they weren't working for me, so I went off of them really early on, like two months in or something like that, and I'm so glad that I did, but I know a lot of people were still on them, and you know, they're supplemental to what they're getting for bipolar, for example. Um, a couple of things from this list of studies that were that were hidden in The Anatomy of an Epidemic. This book, wow, blew my mind because, oh, this is the 15-year study, 2007. 40% of schizophrenics off all antipsychotics recovered. And 5% of those who were medicated for 15 years in the study recovered. So the people who were not on antipsychotics who had schizophrenia, um, 40% of them recovered and only 5% of them medicated in India. Their outcomes were far, far better than people in developed countries who were just consistently on antipsychotics. And how do we know that? Because a New York Times journalist broke the story and he didn't even know at the time that they were unmedicated. So that was kind of a leak. Here's a scary thing. Benzodiazepines, benzos, so that's your Xanax, your Klonopin, your Ativan, blah, blah, blah. Long-time users actually show moderate to large cognitive deficits. People develop depression and anxiety from them, and they're highly addictive. Wow. 2008, bipolar disorder outcome is poor in those who add an antidepressant to the mix. And I know a bunch of people who have an antidepressant thrown in there at a lower dose along with their cocktail of, you know, mood stabilizers and antipsychotics and everything and, and benzos and God knows. Um, and some of these become rapid cycle bipolar disordered people, which means that they'll just like cycle from, you know, hypomania to depressed. And I don't think that's another thing in the book. And, or maybe it's in Strictly Bipolar. I don't think that existed before. So where did these um, new forms of bipolar disorder come from? Well, I think it's twofold. I think that some of the, the dangerous um, psychotropic medications, obviously, in this study, antidepressants could 
maybe cause this rapid cycle. And then the marketing of bipolar disorder, which is detailed and strictly bipolar, is the reason that between the mid-90s and I guess the book came out in 2013, um, the diagnosis of bipolar disorder went up by 4,000%. And that's when bipolar 2, bipolar 3, bipolar 3.5 in the book, he's really funny. He's like, four, five, six, seven, eight, um, came into play. And so I have spoken to people through Instagram. They take literally six medications. And these are people who have had psychosis, right? So maybe they're called schizoaffective. And, you know, maybe the really bipolar one with psychotic features. Who knows? And these people seem to be constantly switching from one antipsychotic to the next because something's not working. Um, something is taking away their emotions. Something is making them gain weight. Something is just driving them nuts. And these these, sata, these side effects are... are really detrimental and and they also you know reduce the quality of life so I don't know I really I really call that into question and I personally hate Depakote and it was prescribed to me with a high dose of an antipsychotic another mood stabilizer was there anything else when I left the hospital last year I wouldn't take Depakote again I think it's a terrible terrible drug it really kind of ruined my personality which Um, I think it made me gain weight too. Yeah, it did. But one thing I was discussing with my friend is sort of, I talked about it with my therapist. I feel like I don't have the same zest for life. Like um, I don't have the same enthusiasm. I'm not looking forward to things with the same intensity. And I just don't care about things. It's it's just sort of this like, eh, eh. And my friend on antipsychotics on a different one says the same things. We've talked a lot about that. Like, the things that we're supposed to like maybe desire or, you know, one of these things should be some kind of goal or something that we're yearning for. We're just kind of like, take it or leave it, you know? It's just kind of like shrugging at life, I feel. Um, You know, do I care if I'm dating someone or not? Like, it's been a really long time. People like me. It's not impossible, but no, I just genuinely don't care. Miss going out to dinner? Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to say. Um, it's just a little bit strange and it feels a little off. And my therapist thinks it's because I'm evened out. But is if this the way is the way that everyone is living, like, no thanks. And uh, Darian Leader says that in Strictly Bipolar, he said if you, ac- if you ask the manic depressive patient um, if they could just take a magic bullet forever and be free of of the whole of manic depression would they do it and every single one said no and I don't know I feel like I'm there too you know anyway um bipolarity I'm gonna do another short episode about that because this is like so long there's so much to say I hope some better solutions come out I don't understand why we're not talking about the symptoms all the time you know, how our diagnosed mental illness is is unique in some way and comparing it with other people. Instead, all we're talking about is the efficacy of the medications. We're talking about side effects. We're asking people what they're on. That's the standard conversation. 
things aren't so simple. I mean, the mind, obviously, consciousness is one of the most, or if not the most complex thing there is. And so an illness of the mind, I mean, are we just like trying to simplify something? And by doing that, kind of misrepresenting it in the process. That's another thing I've been thinking about lately. So I'm going to I'm gonna speak about that again, too. There's like this lack of, of meaningful exchange also. What if I told you that your diagnosis is not important and your suffering is very important? Let's think about that. Could you consider another perspective if someone told you you've been lied to and you're not bipolar? You don't have bipolar disorder. I don't know. Just think about it. How, how much are, are these diagnoses getting super intertwined with our identities? And where is that coming from? And who created that? And why did bipolar disorder increase by 4,000%? And what are these all these other bipolar disorders? I mean, this is just wrong. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.